What's up and surprise, everyone. This is the Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. A little bonus pod, a little stoppage time. Ryan Chapman, Todd Lisenby getting together. No, this you didn't miss this randomly on your radio airwaves. Uh, Todd and I got together and decided maybe we might try this thing out and see if we get a little midweek pod action, even though Todd is still down and out for the count. I got the uh, I got the COVID bug. We're still playing behind closed doors here at the uh, Lisenby apartment complex. But you know, one of the good things about being behind closed doors is I've been able to follow a lot of uh, a lot of the footy. And let me just say, as a Manchester City fan, I felt terrible all weekend until Sunday. And then on Liverpool, put seven past Manchester United. It quite made my weekend. I will say it was. A ton of fun to watch if you're not a Manchester United fan. Uh, neither of us are, so it's a ton of fun. But uh, we're going to try this out here. Todd and I have been talking. We really love the Saturday slot for the show. Um, it, it makes for a really exciting product, but it, it doesn't really give us the full time to dive in fully to all of the weekend's results and really preview stuff. So, And we- we've talked about it too, Ryan. We, we would like to, once basketball is over, because I'm obviously covering UCO basketball, you're covering OU basketball, once it's done, we would like to maybe get out on location for some Saturday shows. Yeah, absolutely. And be out watching some of the matches with you uh, you soccer fans out there. For sure. And so the Saturday show, it's it's not going anywhere or anything like that. Todd and I just decided we're going to try this, get together in the midweek, do a little bit of recap from some of the Sunday stuff we didn't get to talk about. Obviously, it's a show airs on a Saturday. This is a better spot, I think. I think Todd agrees as well for Champions League previews, things like that. And so... Uh, hit us up. Let us know if you like this. If you like it, then obviously we'll keep it and keep rolling on. But uh, we're going to get into some Champions League preview. We'll get into a little light weekend preview as well. That, that'll that kind of be uh, still in the Saturday. But, yeah, th- there was a massive game on Sunday. Manchester United, Liverpool squared off. Last we talked to you guys, we were previewing that bad boy. Todd said he felt it in his bones, a Liverpool win. I was uh, a much more skeptical of that with what Tin Hog and United had done uh, just the week in private, like good vibes, all that stuff going on in Manchester, the red half at least. And Todd, you were right, but I think we were both wrong because I don't think anyone saw uh, a touchdown uh, scored by Liverpool this past weekend. No, I said 2-1. Uh, I said 2-1, and, uh, you know, I was closer on the 1 than I was on the 2, surprisingly. Uh, Liverpool go for 7 Seven uh, unanswered, and all, I mean, six of the seven happening in the second half. It was a 6-1 win over United at Old Trafford in what would that have been? the I think that was the championship year, 11-12 for Man City, their first one. But it was one of those where the scoreline wasn't quite as bad, maybe, as it, it showed. like Or the, the scoreline was worse than what the match actually was because it just all at the end started going wrong and steamrolling downhill. And Liverpool... I mean, that was, that was, you want to talk about good vibes, and we've mentioned it, Ryan, there have been some good vibes around Liverpool. They just got to string them together and get more than one result every once in a while and start putting them together. So I, I was impressed with what, how Liverpool played, and then just the knife grinding a little more with Gakpo scoring. You know, a couple times, Gakpo, a guy who it looked like was headed to Man United, he scores the opener, he scores the third goal, I believe it was, and Liverpool were just dominant, and... Man United, they looked off the pace the entire match, but it was it was borderline embarrassing how they responded when they were down two, three, four nil to just continue to let it get worse and worse. Yeah, seven goals 
eight shots on goal for Liverpool. So seven of the eight they put in braces from Cody Gakpo, Darwin Nunez, Mo Salah, and then the Bobby Firmino. Uh, you talk about good vibes. In the week where he had kind of announced that this is going to be his last season at Liverpool, he's he's going to move on after this campaign to hop on off the bench. That was the cherry on top for Liverpool fans. And I feel really bad. I think that we need to make a conscious effort to circle back and talk about the Liverpool side of this here in a minute. Because, yeah, for me, I don't think it was almost embarrassing, Todd. I think it was a total and complete embarrassment on how Manchester United responded to that. I mean, shoot, the moment where Bruno Fernandez just turned, tried to intentionally foul, and then just started walking back up the pitch because he was so bad that he couldn't even correctly clatter into uh, a Liverpool player. I think that said everything you needed to know. Tin Hogg, kind of the reports coming out of training the next day is there was no day off. He made the United squad listen to every single goal celebration, and he basically told them, like, if you guys respond like this, you will not be putting on the Manchester United shirt uh, again under me. That that I love me, the way it's written. I love the way it's written in the mirror, though. Ten Hag also hauled his players into United's training complex early yesterday morning to begin the inquest into the Anfield <laughs> debacle. <laughs> love an inquest. Inquest. It's never good when there's an inquest. No one expects Ten Hag's inquisition. No. Uh, yeah, for me that that was the that doesn't matter what they're gonna just off. It's not gonna happen. You hope it doesn't get uh, in one of these marquee fixtures, things like that, and you hope it doesn't get this out of hand. But the response, like there were two or three of those goals in the second half, Todd. It just looked like the United defenders they made their half. It, it looked like when we go out on Sundays and play indoor soccer, and I make my one half. The Red Pandas, challenge. Red Pandas yeah, FC, Red Pandas FC, which uh, we got off the mark this last weekend by forfeit. Uh, the other I team, don't know why you guys aren't Red Pandas IFC for indoor football club. Yeah, well, uh, that's because it actually stands for Friendship Club. We're we're more of a friendship oh. club than we are. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> than we are you. a soccer playing enterprise. But like when I get tired. I make a half-hearted attempt at a tackle. I get blown by because I'm really bad at the sport. And then uh, it just looks like a bunch of traffic cones, and then the other team scores. That's exactly what happened. And and I don't care who you are. Have some freaking pride. If you're trying to be the squad that, hey, you've already won the first trophy in a little bit for Manchester United, you're trying to be that renaissance. People like Bruno Fernandez, who I've always leader in any means whatsoever, like the way that he just – dives around in the way that he carries himself like I can't take a team with him as the face seriously and and this is why because if any kind of pressure any kind of that he totally capitulated and the whole squad capitulated it was embarrassing yeah it, there's a phrase that uh you know in covering UCO basketball that that coach Hoffman and and I know coach Mossman who's an assistant coach there like to use and it's when when things get physical and this isn't really physical. It's more just about, you know, when the results in football, they run to the fight, right? I mean, they're in the corner. It's, a, it's not just a step back. You're right. It's a big leap back for them. Um, maybe, obviously not talent-wise. It's not like they can't pick it up and start getting results. But mentality-wise, it looks like a giant step back from where they were just, what, how many days ago from when we're recording this? It was Nine days ago yeah. from when they won the Carabao Cup final? And, and- the thing is, 
whether you lose one nil or seven nil, it's just three points on the table, right? All that right. I, I totally get it. But when you look at what United are chasing and the narrative coming into this game was if Manchester United can find a way to go to Anfield and pull off a victory, suddenly no one's going to pick them to win the title, but if Arsenal or City happen to stumble, United are going to be right on their heels, right? And, and so if that's the company you want to keep, how many times this year have we talked about Arsenal, the way that they, when they go down, when they concede, they bow up, they, they steal their medal, and they fire back immediately. And just to let that thing unravel the way that it did, I just think it says a lot about where that United squad still has to go mentally. And I don't know if that's going to be the, the same guys that are there, if they need some more leadership. Um, Casemiro, we talked about him on the show on Saturday. I think it's a great step in that direction. Um, but but that's what you have to have to have a sustained title challenge over 38 matches. And that that's what I think you saw Manchester United are lacking a little bit right now. Yeah, it was it was not a good performance. Now, what do you make of it from the Liverpool side? I, I think that that was exactly what Liverpool needed because of how the Champions League went for them, that 5-2 defeat to Real Madrid. Because how about, and Liverpool could have a dominant performance against Real Madrid, mainly just having that moment where it, it's a banner day for Liverpool um, in the Premier League that it, it, it stacked back-to-back wins, right, to say it beat Wolves. Mo Salah becomes the club's all-time Premier League leading goal scorer, things like that. I think that with all that they've gone through in the injury crisis on top of FSG, Fenway Sports Group, saying, hey, we're going to start taking some offers, and Jurgen Klopp has kind of had to be the the forward face of acknowledging we're entering a new era, all this stuff. I think that having a win like that is only going to add a little juice into their sales as they've now got – Bournemouth coming up this Saturday, that should be a win. So suddenly that's three on the bounce in the Premier League for Liverpool if they take care of that. And then they can kind of go into that Real Madrid match with a, look, we've got to turn a three-goal aggregate around. That's really tough to do. But I think it can be a situation where even if, again, Liverpool don't go through out of that draw, they can still win that game, still feel really good about it, and start to build in. Because – it's all about next year for, for Liverpool just because of all well, the injuries. Well, let's be honest. I mean, Real, Madrid, Real Madrid aren't going to put their first 11 out there, right? I mean, it's a 5-2 aggregate lead, and they're going back home. Yeah. And Surely they're going to rest some players, and if Liverpool can get some momentum out of that, maybe come away with a 2-1 win or something, that's that's never a bad thing. Especially when um, you look at because – so here's the end of March for Liverpool. They've got Bournemouth like we talked about, then that Real Madrid game. Then, just due to some kind of – weirdness in the schedule uh basically march 15th they play real madrid their next match they're going to roll out is april 1st and here's the run that they've got at city at chelsea home against arsenal at leeds then back home against Forest. like that's how they start off april and so uh get, getting a good performance against real madrid and then a little bit of rest before they attack that slate uh i, I think that's going to be seven years in the premier league and I think that that'll put them in a position to kind of come out fighting in April. Yeah, you mentioned no uh, no match for them. What, I guess that would be the weekend of the 16th, right? Is that right? Somewhere on their 18th, somewhere in that range, 18th, 19th, that weekend. Yeah. That's an FA Cup weekend, and Fulham, who they were scheduled to play that week, are still in the FA Cup. So uh, Liverpool, like you said, get that long break. 
So if I were to ask you right now, Ryan, who do you think finishes top four in the Premier League with about roughly you know, 12 to 14 matches left, depending on who has games in hand? Yeah, I would go with Arsenal and City, obviously. I still think everything withstanding that Tin Hog and what we've seen out of him, I think that he's going to use this as a motivator. So I, I don't think this is a, oh my gosh, Man United are not going to finish top four. I think. So do you think, are you going Arsenal one, City two? Um, no, I, I still think City will win the title. I'd go, okay. sorry, that was more of a Arsenal yeah, City. Yeah, I got you, I got fight. you. Yeah. If I were picking now, let me it, let me ask you this why why do you why would you say city are still going to win the title and i'll I'll just throw this at you the reason why I think there's still a good chance is because Arsenal still has to go to the Etihad they still have to go to Anfield and they still have to go to St James Park yeah I think it's just the those are all very big moments for Arsenal and we've seen this year that they've been able to handle those but for city that's the spots that they've been in for a decade right. for a decade and so I still think that you might see uh, just one little bit of going, oh, are, are they really ready for this? Because they're still the youngest squad in the Premier League. Like, I I guess I'm still just waiting for them to blink, and they haven't yet. And that until that they either beat City at the Etihad or or maybe lift the Premier League trophy, then, then I'll be like, hey, what what an incredible show. Right. But I, I, I still so go, you go City Arsenal one, and City. Yeah, okay. Arsenal two. I still think United will finish third. Um And... Honestly, Liverpool—they've—they're just three back of Tottenham, and they have a game in they hand. Have a game in hand. I, I feel like Liverpool have plenty of time and, and, and to finish fourth over Tottenham, just because Tottenham. Is, what about Newcastle? Newcastle are four back, and they have two games in hand right now. Yeah, I think Newcastle might be running a little bit out of gas. Is yeah. what it looks like. And two, so I you just, think it's a four-team race or a five-team race for those four spots? Yeah. The other point on Newcastle is Liverpool a lot better score, goal scoring record than Newcastle and I know that they've been aided by a, a seven goal showing against uh United but I, I think that that'll be the difference between nicking wins and draws down the stretch which will be the difference between fourth and, and fifth or sixth all right let me throw this one at you what if I told you that a team was eight points back and had three games in hand sorry seven points back and had three games in hand well I is Graham Potter, can Bright, is can Graham Brighton, Potter going back to there or not? Can Brighton get in the top four? Can they? I ask you that, and I ask you that half-joking, but you look schedule-wise like they have a match with Tottenham coming up. If they can get a result in that one, you know, like the schedule's not that tough. They have to get City at the Amex. I mean, they're playing a bunch of bottom sides yeah, kind of he, coming in here for Brighton. Here's my worry with Brighton, though. Let's start looking at the the fixtures. Yes, okay. They had two Ellen Road to play Leeds on the eleventh of March. Then so that's a Saturday. They have to turn around and play the Wednesday midweek against Palace. Then they come back in April. And to your point, that's another one that's in there. I would love to see them get involved in it, though. That'd be it, fun to see uh, see them fun. get a Champions League spot. It would Although be a ton it would of probably fun. it'd probably put them in a relegation zone next year because that's how it works for teams like that to get into the Champions yeah. League. But uh, yeah, that would be awesome to see Brighton playing. Whether it's Champions League or Europa League, it would be awesome to see them making a run in European football. I kind of, I kind of enjoy the South Coasters. Oh no, for sure. I th- well, and they've just been a ton of fun to watch. So yeah, and no continued, doubt. and especially now that they have a little bit more goal scoring threat. Um, it, it, it gives them a little bit more legitimacy, kind of like we were talking about with Newcastle. It's like if you, if you can score goals and nick three points instead of one point and, and draw, yep. then that'll be really interesting. You spoke of Champions League. A bit of that we've got. 
two of the English clubs this week. Here are the four fixtures total on Tuesday, today, when we're recording. So hopefully this gets out before I'm miserable. But Chelsea will play host to Dortmund. Dortmund's up 1-0 on aggregate there. Uh, remember, away goal is not really a thing anymore. On a scale of 1-10, to 10, how confident are you that Chelsea can turn that around? Uh, two. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because that would require them to score not one, but two goals in the same match, Todd. I don't know if you're or, aware. Or one and win on penalties. Todd, they've got Kepa Aretha Balaga in goal, which means that they're just going to have to hope and pray that Dortmund miss a penalty. Like, they're just, like, so. Can you imagine if Graham Potter tried to take him off and Kepa was like, no, I'm staying right here I if actually, he pulled that move again? I actually might support Kepa. I might support Kepa in that. Uh, Benfica and Club Brugge is the, I think Benfica should roll in that. Then Wednesday, Bayern PSG is the, the sex appeal. Bayern's up 1-0 on aggregate there. And then Tottenham will host... Milan, AC Milan at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham also need to turn around a 1-0 deficit. Does more than one English club get through to the quarterfinals? More than one English club get through. I'll go yes. I think that Tottenham have a much better chance to to roll through that. I'll pick City to go through as well. Liverpool, I think the 5-2 is just too difficult to, to overcome. And yeah, especially going to Real Madrid. Yeah, and, and for Chelsea, Chelsea and Tottenham are in a similar spot. of They both, I think, outplayed Dortmund and Milan respectively in the first leg, just weren't clinical enough. Right. Here's the difference for Tottenham coming back home. They have Harry Kane, Son, those guys that – have faith and back that, hey, if Tottenham outplays Milan again, that that'll be enough to be decisive. But I, uh, it was a Chelsea side that played really well against Leeds and still only had one goal, hit the bar like twice. I, I just don't have Well, any... that's, that's my worry with both teams. So with Chelsea, it's if Dortmund pack it in, can Chelsea score? Right, and right. then and then like you you uh, the worry is that if Chelsea really try too hard to score, that Dortmund hits them on the counter attack, and it's two 0 and then it's done. Right, I mean if Dortmund score at all, that that tie is probably over. Yes, with with Tottenham, it's a little bit of a different question. With Tottenham, who likes to play on the counter attack, is will in my mind will Milan will AC Milan be disciplined enough not to send too many men forward and get hit on the counter attack? You know what I mean? Because both teams are going to be trying to hit on the counter. Milan because they've got the lead. Tottenham because that's how they play. And it's the one thing Conte is good at doing is he's lulling you. He does a good job of lulling you into that false hope of thinking that, you know, you're about to get a goal and then they hit you boom, bang, two passes, counterattack goal. And that's what Milan's got to be careful of today. So it's I think they're going to, or tomorrow, those are going to both be interesting ones to watch for sure. Because of those dynamics. I also wonder, too, I don't know if setting up the team and helping making the changes at halftime but not being that presence in the technical area. Like, constantly lives and dies on every kick of the ball, and that's great when you're flying high and all that stuff. When you've been a little uneasy, I think players almost about to get reamed for making this pass, that pass. And I think that that's a big reason why Tottenham have looked a lot more relaxed and comfortable when – uh, Conte's not been on, in the technical area. It's just interesting to, to kind of look at. Did you happen to see, uh, this happened, I believe, after our show aired on Saturday, did you happen to see our friend Moise Keane at Juventus this weekend? I did not. First off, did you see Jose Mourinho's reaction to the Roma goal? Uh, I did, yes. 
Okay, which was not a reaction at all. It was almost like, oh, hey, we scored. Let me keep writing on this uh, pad the the strategy that he's, we're going to change to. Take the notes, yes. Uh, Moise Keane, who's on loan from Everton at Juventus, uh, he came on as a substitute for the Bianca. In those What's, moments. Uh, somebody, it might have been Dirk Kout that did that one time too. What's more impressive, Philip Billings' nine-second goal for Bournemouth over the weekend or Moise Keane getting sent off 40 seconds after being sent on? I, I'm still going to go with the goal because that's something okay. good that you have to do. <laughs> because, look, if a professional wants to get a red card, they can get a red card. Pretty like They're really good at uh, slide tack, things like that. They can time that thing up where they uh, get sent off. But it's still just impressive to be that clumsy immediately. Like Usually it's just, hey, you're so far off the pace that you just miss. You just totally whiff. Juventus now down to eighth. Obviously, they had that uh, that points deduction earlier in the year, so they are well adrift of Champions League places for next year. Well adrift indeed. Something we didn't mention too, real quick. That Wednesday Bayern PSG fixture. If you didn't see it, Neymar undergoing a season-ending yeah. procedure. So Messi and Mbappe. It'll it'll be interesting to see if if that almost is a, an addition by subtraction situation as far as getting someone with a bit more work rate on the on the field for PSG because I mean they're gonna have to turn that thing around down one nil it's not insurmountable by any means but it there's just been some friction and PSG's been in a weird spot we, we breeze through it on Saturday but it's sounding more and more like Leo Messi might legitimately go to Inter Miami in the MLS as opposed to signing back on with PSG for another year or two, which is just something that's going on in the background. Because, look, PSG does not take PRLs when it comes to guys that are out of contact. That would be a massive egg on their face if Messi takes what would be in salary less money to go to the MLS, even though it might be. Did you see the story? I know the Daily Mail ran it, which beware when you're doing Daily Mail sports. But it was running a couple other uh, not-so-reputable uh, outlets, but – Harry Kane to Manchester United is Harry Kane to Kane, but Tottenham. That's just that's right. That's gonna right. be every. Honestly, what happened was Gary Neville made a comment. I think it was Friday or Saturday about how the time was right for Kane to leave Tottenham now, and that Manchester United was the most realistic place for Gary Neville's comment. What you take from it? Yeah, it's the someone makes a comment. You see this a lot in NBA circles. This is what happens when there is. Not a ton of news that gets broken locally, if that makes sense. Like in the NBA, where does your news come from? It comes 90% of it from shams getting aggregated until it's like a rumor that comes out of it instead of just, hey, someone was just thinking out loud. I think that's what you see sometimes, especially with how these big clubs, some of them can be more buttoned up and kind of leaves like, Hey, either's or talking heads say this, or you wait for David Ornstein to break something. Right. Well, I know that I know that you know he just signed Harry Kane just signed the big contract with Tottenham. Uh, Gary Neville said uh, Harry Kane's going to want to win trophies. I think it's whether he sees it as being as being a case whereby he commits to Tottenham for his last five years, and he does what some players have done. Matt Letizia did it at Southampton. Other players have done it in the past who have played for England where they've committed to a club because they love the club and look after them. But if Harry's going to leave, I think now's the moment. Um, so here's my question to you. Would Harry Kane at United or if Harry Kane would have gone to City a few years ago or if Harry Kane were to go to Chelsea or to Liverpool, 
do you think he's that much of a difference maker? And I'm not trying to downplay how good Harry Kane has been because numbers-wise he's been amazing. He's, he's, hell, he's been a Man City killer at times in the past. I think he's a great player. But do you think he is worth the 100 million pound or more than that uh, uh, number that's being thrown out next to his name right now at this point in his career? For United... Sure. I think that it would be kind of your modern Robin Van Persie, right? As far as a guy that has spent most of his career being insanely productive and now wants to, at the business end to, to go win something. And right. uh, so I think for like a United, sure. For Chelsea, maybe because they, they've struggled so much. But for like Liverpool, I don't think he fits what how they like to play up front, which is kind of a, a bit more dynamic. Because, yes, he can hold up the ball. Yes, he, I think he's a better passer than he gives credit. For, I don't think it makes sense for City now that Holland's there. No, but, like, for for a Chelsea, I think they're farther off than just pop a striker in and your title challengers. So sinking 100 million pounds into there and then having to go back and reinvest elsewhere, no thanks. United, uh, I think that you could play Harry Kane off of Rashford. But then the question then becomes, Rashford has this huge uptick when they're finally playing him through the middle again. Okay, so you then paying all that money to play Rashford out of position you know right. I, I think it's right. really complicated because like at face value yes absolutely I think that he's still got enough years in him that it can be well worth it but two that's the biggest difference maker for a top four side uh like realistically because obviously the answer is like you know Mbappe or something you know what I mean yeah I mean a couple of categories like the first thing is yes if you're looking at midfielder then um Absolutely, you're looking at either uh, Bellingham or Rice. I think Bellingham's going to be the the big money guy and that Rice is going to come in there. But I think another one to look at, and we just saw today some headlines come out on Tuesday, um, Victor Osimhen, however you say it, sorry, at Napoli, the forward. Osimhen. 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 Yeah, the the forward at Napoli, he, he came out today and basically said, yeah, it's been my dream to play in the Premier League, and I think I'm doing everything. Yeah. I personally want to bring in a forward uh, with the way that Napoli plays, you could see Liverpool make a more sense to me than, than Harry Kane. Like, I think that that might be something that you start to see the race kick up as as the Bellingham and Rice gets kind of settled. I think that's going to be the next race is, is who wants to bring him in to try and lead the line and change things a little bit. Very good. Well, this has been fun. I like doing this midweek stoppage time. You got anything else? I do not. I do not. Um, just – Looking forward to, A, uh, going through cardiac arrest because that second half of Chelsea Dortmund will happen while I'm on air. So I guess head to twitch.tv slash the franchise live because that's going to be putting me on the rack unless that thing gets done and dusted in the first half. But other than that, yeah, I think I like this. So if you enjoyed it too, let us know. If there's something we missed, let us know as well. We we are happy to – look, soccer's a big world. We miss a lot. Please, please, please put that to us and – as always, we'll be back on Saturday. I think this Saturday we might be slotted a little bit earlier, nine to ten, just to make way for some basketball stuff. If we are, yeah, and it'll be it'll be recorded as well. Yes, it'll be. I'll be heading out of town Saturday for UCO basketball. Yeah. So, um, but I do want to say real quick, a big for their first win. Thank you. Even if there is an asterisk next to it, who's your leading goal scorer? Uh, our leading goal. So here was the real issue. Through like three weeks, three of us were tied, including me. I was up there. Okay, and that I, is an issue if you're up there. And I am uh, the sweeper's sweeper. Like I, I do not like to leave my half of the field, anything like that. 
Uh, one of my buddies, Carson, he, he's been kind of firing. Eli Letterman, who who uh, is okay, trying to yeah. force his way onto the show, he's been up there. If we have one clear out-and-out out number nine, it's goals by committee, and the goals are not necessarily flowing. Yeah, it's goals by committee, and by committee, uh, no one's on the committee is what you're saying. Correct, correct. It is, uh, has ab- Forrest Bennett scored a goal yet? Forrest Bennett has not scored a goal yet. He may okay. lead us in fouls. I think that that... All right. I think he's up if there. If Forrest hasn't scored by the end of the year, can you work out something with the other team to let him score? So there, like one of those good feel-good moments where they let the person that's torn their ACL score at the end of the regular season. Yeah, you know, I tried to have this beautiful moment with Forrest where I was leading a break, and Forrest, if if you guys don't know, he's a tall boy, and I was thinking, okay, if I just flash this thing to the back post, Forrest can head that bad boy home. Everything's good. And I just totally screwed up the delivery. So I, I totally blamed off uh, c- coming to an indoor soccer field near you. Yes. The meaty Oklahoma City forehead of Forrest Bennett. And also, uh, follow us on Twitter, at SoccerShow1077. What's the merch update, Ryan? The merch. Everyone who really if got you want one, we can do a reorder. Yeah, so we, we, let us, we want to gauge the interest on that before we order 100 of them. You know? Correct. We, we've still got um, 30 or 40 stickers left. So those things have been moving pretty well also so reach out to us if you'd like any of that and then yes just on the merch front if you have hey if you have interest in a hat and didn't get one let us know like todd said we're trying to gauge some interest if you have interest in something else we had another listener say ask hey are we doing shirts soon so that that's something that uh let us know if there's merch you want to see let us know because uh obviously merch is for you guys and and Todd and I can have an idea of what we think. We want to link up with you and make sure that we're, if we're making a second order, that we're getting stuff that, that you guys will want and then want to show around town, all that stuff. All right. Sounds good, buddy. It's good to talk to you. I'm looking forward to the footy this weekend, and we'll have the soccer show Saturday morning. Absolutely. Until then, we will talk to you guys next time here on the soccer show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic.